Are you someone you know battling cancer? Welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feld, where you get to be part of a live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer. I was never close to my father. In fact, I found out that he passed away from colon cancer six months after he died. I never got to be with him during his struggle. This podcast and the cutting-edge integrative cancer therapies I offer at my center are my chance to do what I didn't get to do for my father. Tune in as I get to know the struggles and victories of my guests while battling cancer. We will discuss natural medicine and how it can safely be integrated into traditional oncology care. You are not alone in your struggle. Hello there, Deborah. It's so exciting to have you on my show, Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carl Feld. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, before being diagnosed, I mean, what? Tell me a little bit about you know your life, who you were, and and what, okay. what do you think maybe put you in the place where you're at? Well, um, I have been a career woman all my life, and although I had a, a very stressful career, I felt I was very healthy. Um, I worked out, I ate well. Uh, didn't drink, didn't smoke. So, you know, I thought I was was really looking after myself, but I had been in a stressful career for probably the best part of 25 years. And it's surprising how many people still don't acknowledge that stress has a major factor to illness. And what I realized is that I couldn't keep going, living the life I had, Stressful working, you know, 15-hour days, trying to be and do everything, trying to be superwoman. It just, it didn't work. And although I felt I was healthy, now that I look back, particularly reading through my case study, I realized, no, I could have done a lot more. Um, So diet's only one thing, but you've got to look at what's going on in your life. And my life was just absolutely hectic. Um, I had a young family. I was married, uh, running all over the the countryside uh, with work. So it was very, very stressful and not getting enough sleep, probably drinking too much coffee. That was my my vice. Still is, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where it led me to... I had just signed up to a new job. I was very, very happy about it. It was exactly what I wanted. Uh, Signed up and it was six months into that job. I was just getting into the swing of things and I was considering slowing down at that point. But then what happened was, I think it was about December, 2018. I was having trouble eating. A simple thing, eating, swallowing my food. I was always eating on the go. So I'd be at my desk, grabbing a sandwich, grabbing a coffee, you know, running from meeting to meeting and just trying to to keep my energy up and probably eating too many sweet things. I freely admit I've got a sweet tooth. So, you know, chocolate was my go-to. I found it odd that one day I just thought, no, this is uncomfortable. And it didn't matter what I ate it just seemed to get stuck. And that's when I started going to the doctor and saying, you know, can you have a look at this? What's going on? This doesn't feel right. And it was very painful in the chest to just try and get that food done. And, you know, they they asked me, they said, you know, what's going on in your life? Um, Have you just changed jobs? And I said, well, yes, I have. So they kind of wrote that off as, well, it's just stress. And yes, there were 
accurate to some degree, but they didn't feel there was any need to check any more than that. So another month went by and my energy was really lacking. I was very, very tired, um, couldn't get my energy right, couldn't sleep. Getting all these other symptoms, my eyesight was, was getting a lot worse. So I went back and insisted they do some tests and, you know, they refused because, you know, they said, no, no, it's fine. Just give yourself time. I said, no, I'm having trouble eating. I really need help. And so it was, it was just one doctor that was, he kind of noticed that in some of the blood tests I had, and this is interesting because anemia, if somebody is anemic, it's a really good sign there's something not quite right because although many of us are anemic and I always had been during my life so I knew that when I was feeling tired I'll just grab a nice piece of, piece of steak or take some iron supplements it wasn't working for me so blood test came back and it definitely showed I was severely anemic he said oh well that that's you know one of the reasons why you're feeling so tired but he was really fantastic he said no let's do some other tests let's go through the whole gamut of tests and other than anemia, nothing really showed up. And this is a really tricky thing about cancer, is nothing else showed up until he scheduled my endoscopy. And I remember that day very, very well. Uh, 1st of March, 2019, I went in for what I thought was a routine endoscopy. Um, had no idea what that was, to be perfectly honest. And they did the routine endoscopy, didn't say anything at all, but called me into a little room afterwards, which I thought, oh, no, this can't be good. And the consultant said to me, you have the, the words, you have cancer. And I said, no, 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 don't be ridiculous. I'm fine. Other than me and being a bit anemic, I'm absolutely fine. And he said, I've been doing this long enough to know that it is. So, you know, you go through all the emotions and... I remember that day really well. I wasn't at all upset. I was very serene. And I don't know if many other people have that experience. I mean, obviously, it was emotional. Whether that's you go into shock and you just don't know how to process that information. I was very, very serene. And um, my partner at the time wasn't. <laughs> so, Understandably um, so, yeah. Yeah, so we spent a couple of weeks processing all of that. But I would say that things started to happen. I, I'm the sort of person that, you know, you get an, a diagnosis like that and you say, right. So we spent the first couple of weeks adjusting to all of that. And I'm the sort of person that, that you've always, there's always got to be a better way. And I just dove right into finding out as much as I could about alternative treatments. The, the doctors were doing, the oncology team were, you know, getting stuck into finding out what was the best treatment plan for me. They scheduled uh, chemotherapy pretty much straight away. Mm -hmm. I said, right, okay, they're doing that bit. What can I do? What can I do personally to help this process, to, do, to give myself the best possible chance I can? So I, you know, dove right into books, I researched on the internet, and do you know what? It was just happened to be the right things coming to me at the right time, and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine in Scotland, and he didn't know what was going on, and I said, well, you know, I can't do any more work for you because I did a bit of contract work. 
And I told him the reason why. And that's where I guess my story begins because he said, you have to speak to somebody uh, who uh, knows a, a lot about Esiac tea. Oh. That's where I started. And literally within two weeks, I was already taking Esiac tea. And the amazing thing is it, it was obviously as, as everyone knows where they're on this journey it's a roller coaster journey the doctors were looking after my treatment i was looking after things i could control which was my diet my emotions reducing my stress level as much as i possibly could and i felt very very supported because i then looked into the research around SIAC tea and that was just one part of my protocol but it made a lot of sense and it's been around for so long. And, and what I couldn't understand is why more people didn't know about this. But the, the exciting thing for me was I started taking the tea on the 25th of March and it worked beautifully alongside chemotherapy. And, you know, I had some tough decisions to make after that. There were lots of scans that I think I went through, you know, CT scans and PET scans and it was a roller coaster journey because I felt that with everything I was doing, there should be um, much more progress at each stage of those tests. But I wasn't seeing enough. It was stable. It was. It wasn't getting worse. It hadn't metastasized. So in, in many ways, I felt very lucky. But there were, I think, there were sixteen lymph nodes in the end that were inflamed, and I thought, okay, they're getting ready to metastasize that cancer. So I had to make a tough decision. The doctor said to me, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of the chemotherapy, because we're trying to halt the progress with the chemotherapy, we still need to operate and we still need to remove your stomach. At that point, I didn't realize they were going to take out the whole stomach. <laughs> but that's because of where the tumor was. And they said, you know, there's no way to safely... Um, just take out one part, it could just, you know, spread in other parts of your stomach. So I had to then get used to the idea that, that I was not going to have a stomach and being a major organ in the body, I said, how is this possible? How, how can somebody survive this? He says, oh, you can, you can survive quite happily. Uh, the only thing is you will not have capacity anymore. So, you know, big blowout meals, big burgers and fries, going to be able to do that. And I thought, Okay, that's a I can compromise that that's a good enough price to pay. But I then argued, you know, I am doing all of this. Can you not please test the progress of all the, the work that I'm doing? Unfortunately, at this stage of science, there is no test to show there's been any progress when you've got stomach cancer. So I had to make that tough decision. And I decided that the best course of action for me was to have a full gastrectomy. And everyone agreed it was it was the right thing to do. But the exciting thing was, and I always like to, to look at the positives of this, I was diagnosed with cancer on the 1st of March, started taking ESIAC and completely changing my life, my diet, you know, my workload on the 25th of March. And I had my operation on the 4th, 5th of August. And it all went very well. It took a little while to get used to eating again. Uh, but yeah, it, it's working well now. <laughs> and it took about a month for them to get the pathology back to me. And I was a bit puzzled as to why it was taking so long. 
and a bit worried actually because when you don't hear anything you think think the worst but I got a few um reports back saying no 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 we're, we're looking at this very carefully you know we've taken out the stomach we've taken out those 16 lymph nodes um we've captured it we just need to see what happens you know what stage it's at after after surgery so before surgery they categorized the size of the tumor um the one I had was T4. Mm-hmm. So I've never really kind of worked out exactly what that is, but it was about five centimeters uh, at the start. And then by the time I had surgery, um, they said it was T4, which is probably about three and a half to four centimeters. So, you know, it was reducing. And then the pathology showed uh, when it came back, the nurses were so excited. They could not, when they finally got the report together, tell me they just couldn't wait to ring me. So you're not going to believe this. You are absolutely not going to believe this. So everyone was just dancing around the room. They said, it's gone to T0. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> and they said, well, it's reverted to scar tissue. There is absolutely no cancer. There is no evidence of disease. And said, so, okay, okay, what about the lymph nodes? And they, she said, no, they've all come back absolutely clear. And I went back for a checkup a couple of months later with my consultant surgeon. Pushy. I was a really pushy patient. I asked a lot of questions and I said to him, okay, I meant to have another round of chemotherapy. So I had chemotherapy before my treatment had surgery and then they scheduled me for another course of chemotherapy afterwards. And I said to him, you know, so if, am I cancer free? I said, just tell me straight, am I now cancer free? And he said, yes, as far as I'm concerned, you are. So I said, great, why do I need chemotherapy? And he says, as far as I'm concerned, you do not need it. He says, you have to have a very good reason to have that last course of chemotherapy. So I went into um, my oncology team and of course they wanted to push it they wanted to to do it they you know and they explained why and I said yes okay I understand that why we need to do that but can you show me the evidence that there is a a benefit to me of doing that you know one way or the other because I need to weigh up the risks I need to make that decision being I am an informed patient and I need to make that decision very carefully and they said to me well in your case, in these rare cases, <laughs> we can't tell you one way or another. So I said, okay, well, I decide not to. You know, how, what, how do you, what do you think about that? And she said, well, I, I'm quite happy with that. That's fine. It's your decision. Mm-hmm. So then they were talking about aspirin trials and, and all of this sort of thing to keep keep things at bay. And I said, no, it's fine. I'm looking after myself with alternative therapies, my diet, supplements, and I'm taking SIAC tea for the rest of my life. And it was great because my oncology team did know about SIAC and they did not argue with me. They didn't argue with anything that I suggested other than stopping what I was doing a couple of days before chemo and a couple of days after. I think they they felt that you need to give the chemo a chance. So that's my story in a nutshell, but I tell you, chemotherapy was not fun, as I'm sure many people will acknowledge. I Everything that can could go wrong did go wrong during my treatment, and that's one of the reasons why I wasn't keen to do it again. 
So with, with the chemo, I mean, you're, you're saying that it was hard. I mean, hard in what way? With chemotherapy, they decided that I had um, a combination chemotherapy, which was quite intensive. It was something called FLOT or 5-FU, mm -hmm. which was docetax, oxaloplatin, calcium folinate, and um, fluoracil. I needed to take steroids before and after to cope with it. And the, they felt the best way is to have a pick line put in, which was done in the, um, the jugular vein in the neck. But the very first day that I had that put in, it seemed okay, but I went home and was very, very ill. I went back to hospital a few days later because my, my hands were turning a strange color. What had happened, there was a blood clot in the line, the pick line. So I had to get that taken out. Um, because it was it was a risk to my life so then they said well we've got to try and get this this chemotherapy into you so they decided that the, it was best by IV through my arm through my hand um, and that caused a whole lot of other problems um, I had to stay in overnight each time um, I ended up with phlebitis which is you know like a burning of your veins so you know it was very difficult to get it in it was very painful I had a blood infection, so I had to have a um, blood transfusion. So that was a week hospital stay. And then treatment three, I had an anaphylactic shock response to, uh, I think it was a docetaxel. And uh, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> so, but the fourth one, the fourth one went really well. <laughs> After the blood clot and yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a shock and phlebitis. <laughs> yeah. So you can see why I wasn't really keen on, on going through all of that again. No. Um, so I, I was determined to do absolutely everything I could. And to be fair, there were a lot of, there were quite a few organizations here in the UK that are very supportive. Um, we have the Macmillan Cancer Foundation, which supported me tremendously. And they have a whole range of dietitians that you can call on at any time. So they also help me with, with adjusting things. And what I found fascinating is, um, you know, looking at what causes cancer. Of course, there's so many reasons why, but I don't think you can say it's one thing or another that causes cancer because each person is different and their life is different. I know for me that it was stress. You know, my stomach was my weak point. It was, it was probably inevitability that I was going to get something like that. But you can turn things around by looking at what you're doing and changing the things you can control and then supporting yourself. So going to see a naturopath, getting, I had ozone treatment. I had intravenous uh, vitamin C. Um, we went on a, a very careful detoxification program. So you've got to be careful. Um, how far you go with that because your system can go into overdrive. So it was a very careful detox. Mm -hmm. And she supported me very, very well during chemotherapy. What it came down to was fascinating is that your immune system really does know what to do to heal your body. I mean, as we're all aware, we have cancer in our bodies all the time. It's just when your immune system does not cope because it is so run down, through stress, through not eating right, through drinking, et cetera, smoking, that it, you really need to support that. If your 
immune system is working 100%. There is no reason why it cannot clear anything. And I, I know that's a big statement to say, but I honestly believe we can do that. And there's so many superfoods out there. I, you know, I still eat today. I'm looking at my diet at the moment. I still eat most of the things that I changed my diet to when I was healing myself. So, yeah. so what, what does that diet look like? I mean, is, is it like uh, mostly uh, alkaline, anti-inflammatory, ketogenic? What does it look like? Well, yeah, you've got to look at the inflammatory um, foods, um, things that you're doing. So, you know, I looked at how can I make my diet more alkaline? So during my healing, I did try and eat more uh, leafy green vegetables. I cut out as much meat as I could, but your body does need, when you go through surgery, you need to adjust as you heal in different phases. So my body needed protein once I had my operation. So I went back to eating organic chicken and organic salmon particularly. I went on a, a Mediterranean diet, which is basically all fruit and vegetables, uh, lots of chicken and fish, nuts, olive oil, you know, super healthy diet. And I did supplement. So, you know, the vitamins and minerals that I supplemented each day, there, there seems to be a core group of vitamins that you need to support yourself when you're going through a cancer uh, healing. Things like vitamin E, but certain dosages as well. So vitamin E, vitamin D, vitamin D, garlic with um, allicin and selenium, turmeric. Then there's salvestrols as well. The vitamin C, CBD oil. Uh, with a certain amount of HTC in it, acidophilus. And also, you know, I went to see um, a Himalayan doctor who gave me some very interesting herbs as well. So, I, you know, when you've got that diagnosis, you've got to try anything. So diet's one thing, and then you've got supplements. So the Mediterranean diet, um, I also included mushrooms, and I took a, a her concentrated herbal supplement for that. I swapped all dairy to soya and almond milk, green tea, apples, you know, getting a little bit of fruit in there. I know people are worried about eating fruit when they've got cancer, but it's a natural sugar. And obviously, if you don't overdo it, so things like blueberries, raspberries and blackberries, I would eat every single day because they, they are super cancer fighting foods. And then you can look at things that if you if you are anemic, which you're likely to be, there's certain foods that can elevate your red blood count. So, you know, you can eat the odd piece of I chose venison as opposed to beef. I just cut out all beef altogether because of the IGF-1 factor. And, and you know, there has been links that to show that particular uh, issue does cause cancer. So, you know, cutting out beef, cutting out um, cow dairy is key and I, you know i won't go back to it now so venison's a good option for that dried fruit eggs look at your b12 get enough copper into your diet which is poultry that sort of thing and then vitamin a lots of leafy green vegetables carrots sweet peppers you know all that sort of thing and then you know when you're going through chemotherapy you've got to also look at your white blood count so that's the infection fighting element so you look at garlic and broccoli, broccoli is fantastic. You know, I recommend if people like it, eat it every day as much as possible. Um, kiwi fruit, strawberries, oranges. We can get so much from our diet. I think there's 
probably no need to go on supplements unless you are deficient. So getting those tests, knowing where you are in terms of your um, vitamin and mineral levels, and then supplement with what you need. And that's going to boost your immune system as well. And then, of course, after the operation, you've got a whole different thing to think about because I haven't got a stomach. I cannot absorb vitamin B12, which is essential for our well-being. So it's, you know, vitamin B12 injections every three months. But I'm also looking at sublingual drops for that. So I'm always looking for something. It's got to be another way. How can I get that into my body? You know, and having meals where I have to pack in the nutrition as much as possible. It's, it's kind of like a little scientific experiment where I'm, I'm the subject. I think, right, what can I do? So that's where I've got to. And, you know, my, my regime every day, my protocol looks like, you know, porridge in the morning, but I pack in nuts and fruits. Lunch is usually chicken or fish with healthy vegetables. And then in the evening, you know, you have getting more protein into your day. It's more leafy green vegetables, more protein. And having berries every day is really, really key for me. So although that may sound very specific, I think every, you know, everyone's got to find out what works for them. And the exciting thing is supporting your body with your diet, supplementing with what you're deficient in. And then for me, it's keeping going with the SIAC every single day, twice a day, which there are cancer fighting elements in that combination that Reincase developed all those years ago is enough for me to now feel absolutely confident that I'm clear and I'm going to continue to be clear. That is such an empowerful, uh, powerful lesson to learn. And I, I see this frequently with all, all the cancer patients that I work with is that uh, you need to be in control, meaning you, mm. you can't just feel like a victim. You can't feel, you need to feel like you're in charge and that you you can beat this without desperation you know yeah. being being in a place of, of calm and just knowingness uh, and then also taking like you're saying uh, the areas that i can control i control those areas if the areas that i can i'll let go of that and uh, so i mean that that is so powerful to do that and i'm curious i mean a couple of things one uh, obviously, there's so many different things that you can do out there. Uh, tell us about SEIT. I mean, you are, I know you're a big proponent of that. And I think you understand you're leading a forum for that as well. Tell us, tell me a little bit about SEIT, what people that in that forum, what they've experienced, why other people should choose SEIT versus other things. Yeah, obviously it's personal, but why did you prefer SEIT? I chose it because I, I looked into it and thought this was a very good option for me not to choose that opposed to anything else. It was a good addition to what I was doing. And I was looking at the emotional issues in my life as well. You know, I, I worked with EFT, did meditation every day. That was really, really important. And visualizations, you know, imagining me walking out of hospital, getting that that in diagnosis of the all clear, you know, it's really important to keep your mental well-being as positive as you can. But I felt with SEACT has been around for quite a long time. So it's a herbal tea derived from a Native American 
medicine's man, medicine man's formula by Reen Case, who's a can Canadian nurse. And she developed the um, formula that we know today of four herbs um, with a key ingredient, which is sheep soul. So I looked into, well, what is sheep soul? Why is it so good for cancer patients? And looked at all of the case studies over the last hundred years. And I thought, well, there's something really in this. The original medicine man's formula was an eight herb formula, but Reen Case just realized there was very much a need to look into this scientifically. And she did get the support of doctors and she did get some research conducted on it. And they came back and said there was significant benefit to these ingredients, you know, around cancer. So the evidence is absolutely there. And the sheep sorrel is the, the key element of Essiac. It's an active ingredient in the leaves and stems. And I took a all root and bark formula, which Marley Klein had been working on for 30 years. So I was very lucky to, to be using that as well because it's much more potent uh, and you don't need as much of it. Powerful antioxidants and ingredients that work directly on the tumor. And then the other key ingredients which work synergistically together, detoxify the body and support your immune system so that it does the job it's meant to do. So, you know, it's a fantastic aid to other things that somebody can do to help heal themselves with cancer. But as I say, there's, um, you need to look at every part of your life and make that decision that you are going to get through it. I can't emphasize that, amount, that, that enough. I made the decision, well, I'm just, that's it. I'm going to get better. But the exciting thing is, is that cancer doesn't have to be a death sentence anymore. Of course, we, we all get diagnosed at different stages and there's different circumstances. But if we look at ourselves, we look at what we're doing and how we got there, and it doesn't have to take very long at all, we can make those changes. So for me, SIAC was, it is a key part of what I did, a key part of my protocol, but it is just one part. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think you're doing the detoxification, some, something people a lot of times forget is that they, they get so cancer focused and they start to just, they want to just kill the cancer, kill the tumor. And what they don't realize is that you're then breaking down tissue and cancer. What it does is that it reassembles itself from the dead particles if you don't detoxify from them. Exactly. Exactly. And that is a fantastic thing about ESIAC is it does help you detoxify of course there's other ways to detoxify your body as well you know the ozone treatment and, and all sorts of things like that but looking at how and it would take far too long to explain it here on this call but how SIAC works it just makes sense it's you know you look at the scientific evidence you know the SIAC council has, has got all the case studies on the website and people can just go and have a look it's all categorized by the type of cancer so it's quite a range of cancers that benefit from it it's a really exciting read and i'm you know i'm hoping and i'm very lucky to be part of that movement and i really hope that more people look at this as an alternative uh, there are already people i'm working with that benefiting greatly whether it's healing themselves completely or improving or halting, halting the progress, there's all sorts of things going on. So it's very exciting work.
And, you know, of course, then there's, there's my journey as well is the stomach free life journey, which is challenging. <laughs> and you've written a book about that to really kind of help people uh, go through that journey. Because, I mean, like you were saying, the stomach is a major organ and, and how... Mm. How do you survive without that? And what, what kind of adjustments do you need to make? I mean, so tell, I mean, obviously they need to get more information in your book because <laughs> that's, <laughs> but kind of the gist, I mean, what are the challenges and what are some key points to overcome those challenges? Do you, do you have to eat smaller, more frequent meals or what are the yeah. keys? The, the key to, to surviving well without a stomach and you can survive perfectly well and thrive is you, yes, you have to have smaller meals throughout the day. So most of us are used to three meals a day, um, three large meals a day. So it, it's more like six meals a day that are much smaller. You get to know what you can, in terms of quantity, how much you can take in explain that sometimes even though you don't have a stomach there can be a little pouch that forms um, so you can gradually over the years you can absorb more food and you take in more food but it's at the moment it's six meals a day to be honest I graze all day long I've always got food with me I always it's kind of interesting because the hunger response that you expect to lose when you have a gastrectomy it doesn't go away it's still there so I still get hungry what I have to be careful of is not to overeat because it's quite uncomfortable. It's never really a bad thing, but it's just uncomfortable. So in my, what I hope to, to help people with is how to eat better. You need to pack in your nutrition to each meal because they're smaller. So, you know, for example, a small bowl of porridge throw in some seeds, throw in some um, nuts, throw in some fruit, add a bit of yogurt on the top, a drizzle of honey, and you've got so many calories in there. That's the equivalent of having a large breakfast, um, but you're not having the quantity. So it's little tips and tricks like that. And learning how to, to make food that is much more nutritious for yourself and getting all the vitamins and minerals in because you when you go through a gastrectomy you can lose a lot of weight and initially there is it, it probably took me a good six months to get the weight back on that I lost um, post-surgery and you've got to do that gradually because you're adjusting your system's adjusting to life without a stomach um, but the whole process of having a gastrectomy, and this is what I go through in Stomach Free Life, it's preparation. The book is, I call it the gastrectomy survival guide. So it's all about from diagnosis, getting prepared, looking at your diet, putting on as much weight as possible before the surgery. You have surgery and then it's learning to eat again. And then there's issues like, well, can no longer absorb vitamin B12. So how am I going to do that? And there's options and ways of getting that into your body as well as the injections, learning to eat again uh, and eating well. And then, you know, for me, I'm a diagnosed celiac and I'm also dairy intolerant. So that was also added to the complications in my recovery because when you're in hospital, they put you on a food drip to get the nutrition in. And I'm not sure about the state, but here it's it's derived from cow protein. And that was not good for me. <laughs> 
So we had to come up with some alternatives. So I also look at, well, if people are allergic to, to gluten, they have a wheat intolerance, or they have nut aller allergies, eggs, soy, fish, you know, we look at all of that as well and say, well, how can you get your nutrition in if, if you've got these issues? And then it's also caring about your body because you don't change the way you look. You'll probably lose weight, which is most likely not a bad thing. But other than, um, you know, getting back into exercise, I think most people will be concerned about body image, but there's no need to be worried about that. Yes, you'll have a scar, but I think people should be proud of their scars you know, wear it with pride. And then, you know, I also go into what my particular protocol was. Smoothie recipes, other recipes, smoothies are fantastic for gastrectomy patients because you can pack so much into it and you just sip on it all day and you're getting lots and lots of nutrition. So you do have to adjust, but it's not impossible. And I think now I'm probably healthier than I've ever been because I've learned so much about how the body works and what I need to do to support it, not only to heal, but to hopefully keep me healthy for, for forever. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's so great how you've looked at not just the, the one aspect, thinking that you are only going to get a solution through the medical route or only mm -hmm. through supplements, but you're looking through, you know, the diet, you know, for the emotional, the spiritual, and then also utilizing the, the medical where they're good at and not overutilizing or underutilizing, but being uh, making informed, uh, informed decisions. And also like you're, uh, when you communicated with the oncologist saying, what, well, what is the benefit? I mean, I know that these are your concerns, uh, but have you, I mean, can you show me that there is a benefit mm -hmm. in what you're doing? you're going to put more poison into my body, you know, there should be a benefit. I mean, there should be a proven yeah. benefit from doing that if I'm going to add harm to my body. Exactly. And being an informed patient is so very important. Yeah. Asking questions. They are there to support us. They want us to be well. But I think we have to, as informed patients, have to understand they have their area of expertise. But you are in your body 24-7. You know what's right for you. And you are a whole individual as, as your life is unique. So you do have to look at every area of your life. And you can make adjustments in so many ways. Sometimes it can be a very emotional roller coaster. And some, for example, you know, sometimes our relationships don't survive and go through. I've heard marriages break up because of it, but that maybe we need to look at that and say, well, this is, this is what needs to happen. This is me. This is my time. Because as human beings, we give so much, mm -hmm. but it's important for us to take the time when we get a diagnosis like this is to say, well, what's right for me? And ask lots of questions. Yeah, and exactly. Give yourself the space for your own healing instead of just, I'm there for other people all the time and I'm neglecting myself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for all the, the wisdom, for you know, sharing your journey, for what you're doing to help people that are going through what you've gone through, you know, through you know, the, the book. And what is the name of, of your book for people that would like it? It's called Stomach-Free Life, The Gastrectomy Survival Guide. 
Okay, great. And they can go to your website, right? They can go to stomachfreelife.com. Um, the book is on Amazon at the moment. Um, the paperback's also available from my website, so they can have a look at that. And the, the website is a resource as well for people, so there's recipes that are going on all the time. We have a Facebook group and we share knowledge and information with each other on what works, what doesn't work, because, you know, each of us have a different experience and we can all benefit from what we all learn on the way. So it's not just one story. No, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. I really, really appreciate you sharing all this invaluable information. You're very, very welcome. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. I hope this podcast impacted you as it did me. Please subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. There are some excellent shows coming up that you do not want to miss. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please take a moment to write a review, and please don't keep this information to yourself. Share them with your family and friends. You never know what piece of information that will transform their lives. For past episodes and powerful information on how to conquer cancer, go to integrativecancersolutions.com. If you would like to know more about the cutting-edge integrative oncology therapies my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Thank you for spending this time with us, and I hope to see you at our next episode of Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.